Vinny's view on the home of the Suns. Arizona Sports 98.7 and the Arizona Sports app. Brought to you by Bumblebee Plumbing. They can buzz right over. Why? Because they care. BumblebeePlumbingAZ.com. Tuesday at night, Suns win over Sacramento was entertaining, satisfying, and featured playoff-like intensity from both teams. Last night against Detroit was a different story. The result was the same. The Suns won 116-100, but the game could not have been more different than its predecessor. It featured the intensity of a game of Monopoly about 90 minutes after the participants each swallowed a handful of Ambien. And that lack of intensity was not the Suns' fault. The Detroit Pistons are North American pro sports' best argument for relegation. Yes, they are coached by Monty Williams, who made his return to Footprint Center, where he coached the Suns for four seasons and some of the best times in franchise history. A welcome back montage video was played for Monty, and a welcome back announcement was made for him as he walked on the court minutes before tip-off. He had a smile on his face, but did not wave or acknowledge the mostly appreciative crowd. It was a sign of things to come. Monty's players didn't really raise a finger all night either. Already playing without Bradley Beal, an NBA ref show broke out early in the first quarter, and Suns All-Star guard Devin Booker was ejected 524 into the game. Crew Chief Carl Lane explained it was after excessive complaining that got uh, Booker tossed. Turns out Book may have been the smartest person in the arena for not wanting to stick around for what was only uh, what slightly resembled pro basketball from the opposition. Which begs the question, do the Pistons actually even practice? The more interesting aspect of Wednesday happened about two hours before the game when Isaiah Stewart, a Pistons big man who wasn't even playing last night, sucker punched Sun center Drew Eubanks walking into the arena. At least that's what Eubanks said. Phoenix police arrested Stewart after the game and he was cited and released. The cops should have arrested his teammates in the second quarter for impersonating a professional sports team. Anyway, the Suns are at the break. The season high 11 games over 500 and fifth place in what proves to be a minefield of a 27 game finish in a loaded and tight Western Conference. If Bradley Beal's hamstring injury proves to be as minor as first advertised and with the big three intact, better overall health and a deeper bench in the mix, it has the makings of a hell of a ride. Vinny's View brought to you by Bumblebee Plumbing. Yeah, I like the our togetherness has grown, you know, being more of a unit. Um, guys understanding their roles and what they bring to the team. I think around this time when you start to figure that out, that's always good. I like how, where our record is, being 11 games over 500. So that's a good, that's a good milestone to have going to the break. And for the most part, everybody's healthy, you know, so... Uh, Brad got a couple tweaks, and hopefully he can get back right after All-Star break. Uh, but I like how consistently we play games together the last month or so. And that's only going to bode for, for us going forward. Yeah, it's Kevin Durant after the game last night. Durant, uh, pretty easy workload, 29 minutes, which is still the most for any team. Uh, kind of shows mm-hmm. you how the, the flow of the game went. And, and I get the feeling from Kevin Durant's comments. Um, seeing Bradley Beal, uh, you know, on the court and in the tunnels before and after the game, that there's not a whole lot of concern. I think this might be more cautionary than anything mm-hmm. else, and and that's got to be the hope for the Suns after the break. Yeah, uh, if, if, I agree. Was, I think Bradley Beal starting to come into his own, and what Royce O'Neal has done in three games as a Phoenix Sun, 
Um, I think that's going to prove to be a very, very valuable pickup. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I, I think that I think very much the same. Now, I don't want to get out over my skis because we've seen a lot of guys yeah. from Alfred Payton to, who, you, come in and have a good first few games. But I think Royce O'Neal might be different. I really do. I he's got a he's got a certain vibe about him, and and I think we've already seen very quickly how he can stuff a stat a stat sheet in his own way. And the question really becomes now, who's gonna who's gonna lose minutes because of this guy, and and who's gonna lose money? Money or minutes when Thaddeus Young gets integrated. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be some work to do for Frank Vogel after the All Star break, and and you need Bradley Beal there to figure out the first part. So because everything is going to flow off the big three. Yeah. So when you t- talk about starting lineups, rotational minutes, rotational pieces, how deep you're going to go come the postseason, you've got to have Bradley Beal back to really kind of make intelligent choices. Yeah, and Frank Vogel did address the Bradley Beal situation yesterday. Uh, no update. Um, he did some evaluation today, but still hasn't completed the full evaluation process. So, um, you know, we do believe that it is not serious. And, um, you know, that we're, we're clear of anything long-term, it seems like. Um, you know, but we'll have further, further information uh, after the break. Yeah, and that was, uh, that was pregame with Frank Vogel. The other thing that was in the air last night, the Monty Williams return, it's been with, with the the amount of change the Suns made from mm-hmm. from year to year. It's a much different team, obviously. So this, hey, welcome back, fill in the blank, has been a common theme at Suns games this year. Last night was a little bit different. Um, you know, Monty Williams he got a nice round of applause, and as I mentioned in Vinny's view, he didn't he didn't do much to acknowledge the crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, and it 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 had to be weird for him too. Uh, coming back to a team where last night the opposition, he was the coach months ago of the Phoenix Suns. Mm-hmm. Just months ago, not even a full year ago. Only three of the players that played last night for the Suns actually <laughs> played for Monty Williams. That shows you something. So, pre-game, yeah, that's good. Monty talked about the, you know, the, the complicated feelings of coming back. It's just it's a different deal just because of the relationships here. The people that I got to work with, I got to coach um, where I was at the time, you know, getting an opportunity to come here and, and coach, you know, the partnership I had with the players here and in particular Devin and then the stuff that happened off the floor for my family. You know, I thought about it a little bit last night when I was we were going to the hotel and, you know, you see a hospital where your you know child was treated and then when we left you know my wife had a situation all that stuff you know is a part of the journey and i just think about how blessed i was to to coach um here in this city and coach this team and all the stuff that happened here was was a huge huge uh, treat for me and my family and i just had a great sense of gratitude and you know there's also the competitiveness that comes out it's, it's just the range of emotions you know what i mean um i was blessed to be here and i'm just thankful for the opportunity that i and, and the staff that was with me got um here in this city with this organization I and mean, monty was part of that change obviously the mm-hmm. suns after they get eliminated from denver they move on mad ishbia you know some rubber stamps that the, the change at the head coaching position yeah um, and I think, and we chronicled it on this show 
a lot of the bloom came off the rose for Monty Williams no last doubt. year. No, let's 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 be real about what yes. this is. Yes, and and that, and that is Monty Williams when he took over this job of uh, in Robert Sarver's organization. This organization was at rock bottom, mm-hmm. and Monty Williams was a very important piece in bringing a calm, guiding hand that centered players who knew they were stuck in the middle of all this dysfunction. And, and then, and because Chris Paul probably doesn't happen without Monty Williams. And then a lot of things don't happen without Chris Paul. So in terms of the cultural evolution, Monty Williams deserves his props. You can never take that away from him. And the trip to the finals, you can't take that away from him. Just like Steve Kime had a really good first half with the Cardinals and then kind of drove the team into a ditch. Monty wasn't that severe, didn't drive the team into the ditch, but pretty derelict in some of the things he did and made some very interesting choices, interpersonal kind of choices. Yes. And, And to the point where where it, it made me kind of think a lot of this servant leader stuff kind of fraudulent. Now, I, I don't want to speak too harshly. This is you know, I, I want to be able to acknowledge what Monty Williams did, but I, we all know things and we all hear things. And 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 there's there have been things that would lead you to question um, that element. Yeah. So and look, Monty Williams made it clear I he didn't want to coach last year. Mm-hmm. He got cash whipped by the Detroit Pistons yep. to coach that team. And I don't. I, I, <laughs> No. There's not. I mean, we saw the Detroit Pistons at their worst. A bad mm-hmm. team at its worst last night is really hard to watch. Oh, and that's I was a good ha- point. I was having those quest- questions. I was what? what is going on mm-hmm. in Detroit? Because Monty Williams is a better coach than what his team put out there last night. Yep. But, man, he's... <laughs> <laughs> well, can't be fun. You know, as I hope he's enjoying right. the money. Right. Oh, yeah. Well, that's all he's enjoying, Vinny. I'll yeah. tell you that much. Coming up next, uh, a celebration in Kansas City turned into tragedy. Uh, we'll get into it next as the Chiefs uh, celebrate their Super Bowl win here on Bickley and Murata Mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. If you know this song, sing along. Blame it all on my roots. I showed up in boots and ruined the Niners affair. The last one to know. Yeah, I'm not going to subject you to the whole thing. That was Travis Kelsey at the uh, Super Bowl parade yesterday in Kansas City. Uh, we finally found the one person on the planet that does not know the words to Garth Brooks' Friends in Low Places. Oh, I thought you were going to say the one person on the planet who sings worse than Jared. <laughs> I thought that's where you were going with that. I was going to say they can't both be good singers in that relationship. <laughs> right. Yes, that, you're right. Too much to That ask. would be way too much to ask. Although Travis Kelsey was featured on a, uh, a Christmas album that came out and made waves right, right before the holiday. Is that mm-hmm. right? And they made him sound pretty good. Okay. Thanks, Autotune. The, the technology they have today, I'll tell you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it went from lighthearted, obviously. You know, Kelsey did his whole fight for your right to party thing. Apparently, he was inebriated. Patrick Mahomes called out for the three-peat uh, next year, which has been a, a stated goal. We learned earlier this week that that was being talked about before the second one was even won. Mm-hmm. So the drive is amazing, but... Man, it turned uh, it turned tragic uh, when you have a mass shooting. Something, uh, correct me if yeah. I'm wrong. And I, I I said this earlier in the show. We're desensitized to mass shootings in this country because they are so frequent now. Mm-hmm. We've never seen one in this setting. No, in, in a in a sports related Super Bowl or, or celebration type setting. Um, and it's 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 gross. Quite honestly, the person lost their life. 
20, over 20 people are injured. Yeah. Uh, at something that's it's, supposed to be a community celebration. Yeah, no, listen, it, yes, exactly. And and it really kind of felt yesterday like, okay, this is another thing that has just been taken away from us. Another thing of just goodness that is now um, going to probably go by the wayside. A- as you pointed out, it, it's, it, it happens everywhere now. It could be a grocery store in Buffalo, a movie theater in Denver, a school in Texas, a, a concert in Vegas, a bowling alley in Maine, and here you got a, a victory party parade in Kansas City, where I don't know how many people are there, probably close to a million. How, I mean, it, it's it, is, is this effectively going to end these victory parades, these celebrations after championships? I mean, I mean, look, I, I, I covered the uh, the World Series and after the Rangers won the World Series, now they won the World Series in Arizona, but there was shooting and arrests at their victory parade. Mm-hmm. I mean... There was a time where the worst incidents at these types of events was violence and arrests, mm-hmm. people acting a fool, turning over cars, yeah. you know, you're yeah. lighting fires, which is bad. Uh-huh. But when it graduates to this, it's terrible. Lewis Riddick of ESPN had thoughts on it. The people who were injured, the individual who is now deceased, the people who are close to those individuals are going, wait a minute, I thought they went to a... I thought they went to a parade. I mean, how did this happen? I thought they went to a celebration. How does this happen? And see, now it's about the coverage, the documentation, the investigation, people, you know, having their opinions about what happened, why it happened. But, you know, that that's the part for me, the why. The why does this kind of thing continue to happen? What is the impetus? What is the genesis of this kind of mindset, this kind of thinking of the perpetrator? Like, what makes like what makes someone feel as though I'm going to a celebratory parade for the Kansas City Chiefs. I need to take my gun and who knows what's going to happen. Like that, that to me is like, like that, that's where I'm at right now. That's where I'm at. Like, how do we, how do we get to the bottom of that? Because we're just talking about the, you know, the after effects now about, about how people pick up the pieces. I'm talking about the origin of this kind of thing. How is it that we're not safe? No matter where there is no safe space anymore. There's no safe space, period. That's the problem. There's no safe space. None. He's not wrong. And you asked a question that I think is a poignant question moving forward in this country. Celebrating sports will always be a part of American culture. Mm -hmm. And there have been incidents. And this is the most egregious incident of of something that's happened in Mm -hmm. this setting. And it's a flex. It's a it's it's a civic flex for these cities who are celebrating championships to open up their streets. Yeah. Invite everybody no. and estimate the crowd as being, hey, it's 400,000, it's 600,000, it's a million. And that's all well and good. Mm-hmm. But you can't monitor that number of people when there are no, there, there's no. no security gateways to get in. Not when there are crowds of that size. No. And, and, and that is, that's kind of the takeaway here. You Safety at big mass events now in, in American cities, you have to wonder if it's even worth it. And Jared brought this up earlier, and he's right on the money. This might be our summer to have that. If the Suns win a championship, if the Diamondbacks get back, this might be our time to to, to kind of replicate what we did after losing the NBA Finals in 1993. Is anyone? 
anyone going to feel comfortable? Is it even going to be allowed anymore? I don't know. It, I it's, think that's it's part of the problem so is, is people have that attitude. That could never happen in our city. And, and, well, and, it and can. probably Suns it, but it fans can. saying that. It wouldn't happen here. We've been waiting too long. It can happen. Lewis Riddick is right. It can happen anywhere. It, listen, that, that mass shooting that happened in that really uh, swank neighborhood in Chicago, near where I grew up, it happened during a, just a, a, a community parade. After, maybe it was Thanksgiving. Yeah, it was a parade. holiday parade. It was a holiday it? parade. And it was like, if it could happen there, it could happen anywhere. It's just it's just unbelievable that this is this has become such a part of our existence. That is it, what, what you just said. And I'm not I'm not poking at you by saying this. The fact that you could not remember the full details of a mass shooting in yep. your own yep. hometown. Yep. I know uh, they they've there's so many of them. I, I as I read earlier this morning, we're 46 days into a new year. We've had 48 mass shootings in this country in 46 days, more than one a day average. What is wrong with us? I wish I had the answer. Yeah, listen, you 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 can you you can you can uh, you can take this wherever you want politically, but you can't argue this doesn't happen in other countries. It just doesn't. No, it doesn't. And, it, and yeah. it's just, it's, it's, and, and I don't know, maybe the visuals of it happening at a, at a celebratory parade in Kansas City, maybe this will um, be a tipping point. But I mean, I, I, how could other things have not been a tipping point up to, up to this point? You know, school children in Uvalde? I, I, it's crazy. Just awful. Yeah. Um, it's just awful. So yeah, this is, um, this, uh, I, I could not help but think that we might have just seen the last of the victory celebratory parades and I I used to be the biggest fan of these things I love watching teams get loose and 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 get slurry and buzzy and boozy and hanging out with their fans and and everybody just flexing in the commu- best communal kind of way and yeah these are the events that should be, that, that usually bring everybody together yeah it's like you have your differences yeah. as human beings but mm-hmm. hey we have that in common we both root for the same team mm-hmm. Let's let's celebrate it together for a day and then get on with life after that. Yep. I think you're probably right. I think you're moving to in in venue events now yeah. where you can monitor who's coming that's in. That's exactly right. That's that's true though. Like and we've seen that do that where they do they end up the parade in a arena or something and that's where they give the speeches and stuff and then they monitor who comes in and out. But you're never going to get rid of the parade. The, the the problem with this stuff happening so frequently is that you move on quickly as well. Yeah, but if it can be avoided, I I, I don't agree with. Uh, are athletes going to be want to be want to be parts of these parades going forward? After seeing the footage in Kansas City yesterday. Yeah, I mean they're out in the open too. Yeah, everybody's out in the open. Mm-hmm. I disagree with what Jared said. So do I. I think parades are going bye bye. Okay, I'm just saying that people still go to movie theaters and I, grocery I stores and clubs and. Yeah, they, it's, yeah it, they do, but you're not going to, I mean, it, a, a parade, as celebratory as it is, it's superfluous. It's not necessary. You mm-hmm. can celebrate in other ways. People still have to live their, their lives. You have to have entertainment outlets like movies. You have to go grocery shopping. You have to send your kids to school. I get all that. It it, is, it, it, it's a helpless feeling. It is it awful. Is. It's awful that there's a shooting at a parade, and the solution would be to get rid of the parade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Like Bick said, you can go wherever you want politically, but I mean, that's opening up a whole different can of worms. Indeed. Have you subscribed to the Bickley and Murata podcast? Subscribe right now on your iPhone or Android. Never miss any of the show. It's the Bickley and Murata podcast. It's brought to you this week by your Valley Chevy dealers. Coming up next, Sarah Cazell will take us through the big stories of this Thursday morning in the Rush Hour Reboot here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Setting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Were you just vibing to our intro song, Dan Bickley? I don't know. I don't know what I was doing. Usually, I didn't know I was being watched. We're not, well, oh, you're always being watched now. Oh, great. Wonderful. That's, that's true. What I love to hear. Big On ArizonaSports.com if big, you want to watch the stream. Big Brother and the Arizona Sports app. That's right. <laughs> One and the same. Yes. Um, well, I hope that you at home listening were bopping along to that introduction as well because it's time for the Rush Hour Reboot, folks. Every single day at 7.30, we get you caught up on everything that you need to know in Valley Sports and beyond. I'm Sarah Cazell, catching up with Dan Bickley. Hey! Vince Parada. And I toasted you. I even do what I never <laughs> Did he do the whole song? That's funny, Vinny. Seems like it. Wow. Oh. Goodness gracious. It's oh, poor people. And Jarrett Carlin. When I t- and I toasted you. <laughs> I even do what I never What? Did you have the exact Almost the exact clip? Okay. Tremendous. Um, very cool. Alright, let's let's start with the Suns game. Uh, it was a weird one last night. And the weirdness started well before the actual game against the Pistons, which the Suns won, by the way, 116-100. When players were entering the arena, Drew Eubanks and Detroit's Isaiah Stewart got into a fight, and Stewart was arrested by Phoenix police. The way that Eubanks tells the story is that they were walking into the arena at the same time. Quote, unquote, words were said. And then Stewart punched him in the face, says Eubanks. Phoenix police arrested Stewart on assault charges. They quickly cited and released him so that that happens and then the game happens. And officials had a very quick whistle, uh, presumably in an effort to keep the teams from heating up. Devin Booker got two texts in the first five minutes of the game. He was ejected. It was BS, says Suns coach Frank Vogel. Yeah, they just said he, you know, they asked him to stop whatever his complaint was and he didn't stop so they teed him up and then he said something else to the other official and he ran him out it's just freaking ridiculous I mean, total BS um, you know as to take a star player out of the game I've seen see worse worse than what he did on a nightly basis <laughs> like like not I've seen it before I see it every night so unprecedented those are good good officials uh, that were on the game tonight but you know that was certainly on call for and BS Kevin Durant shared. But they're good officials. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, no, no. Don't find uh-huh. me. Don't yeah. find me. Yeah. Right. That's, but uh-huh. that was, that's exactly what that effort was. Yeah, yeah. I have to say this. Uh-huh. Uh, here's Kevin Durant. He shared his thoughts as well. We've seen it early on. They were trying to just, you know, let us know that they're going to control the game. And 
I can understand it. I can see it from their perspective, but I just think that was too quick of a take, both of them. All right. Earlier in the show, you guys mentioned, and we've talked about it many times on this show, Devin Booker being a star in the NBA, but still not feeling like he is respected by officials. Do you believe that that is something within Devin Booker's control? Or is this just going to carry on for no, his uh, career? Listen, and um, yeah, it's it's my belief that this is this is the, the last thing that Devin Booker has to attain in his career. He's got to get control of his emotional maturity when the refs are driving him insane. Now, I, I, I don't, uh, th- this has been an issue this year. Nikola Jokic got thrown out of a game in Chicago on Serbian night, and the Bulls crowd was so angry they started booing. Giannis got ejected from a game for staring down that same Isaiah Stewart dude. You can't be throwing out marquee players. So Vinny and I are a complete agreement about this. You can't you, you can't be doing that for the for your business and for the good of the fans. It's really stupid and last night was really soft. But in the context of what happened in pregame, you got to have some awareness about that. And after you get your first technical, then you've really got to realize, okay, these these guys are these guys are are, are going to do us dirty. You've got to have a little more awareness than that is my point. Yeah, I mean I get your point. Okay. But some scrub center who's not going to play, who's not even in the arena when the ball is tossed, punching a backup center two hours and 15 minutes before a game starts should have no bearing on the level of complaining that you're willing to take from, from Devin Booker. Mm. And if it is, if it does, be honest and transparent about it and say, yeah, we had to keep a lid on this because there was a powder keg that was ready to explode. They didn't say that. It had no bearing on it. It was based on what Devin yeah. Booker did. But I don't think... Your question, yeah. Sarah, it's not within Devin Booker's control. It he's nine years into this. Um, it, it's it's he's at the mercy of whatever feelings the officials are having that night. That's that's what it is. Sorry to say. Okay. And Bick's point on throwing out superstars. For, for that is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, I'm not saying your thought is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. The fact that it happens is ridiculous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, the, the Suns, star-driven league. Yeah, yeah. They are now in their All-Star break. Uh, all of them, but Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, they will be in Indianapolis this weekend for the All-Star game on Sunday. Um, how do you feel about the team heading into this break? Heading into the second half of the season? Although it's not. I, I think they're in great shape. I think to be plus 11, 11 games over. 500 after what was really a uh, a strange bizarre trip in the first half um, from being 14 and 15 on Christmas Day to that halftime of the Kings game where both Vinny and I simultaneously thought this ain't going to happen for this team this year to look up now to be 11 games over 500 to have Royce O'Neal look like he's going to be fill a, a definitive need on this basketball team there's no reason not to feel real optimistic about him yeah I feel the same way um, and that's not to say that the West is not going to be just... Oh, yeah. It's not going to be easy. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a barn burner. Uh, even with these teams that we, we're we not considering legit threats, you never know. I mean, New Orleans, I don't consider them a, a legit threat. they got the same record as the Suns. Mm-hmm. Minnesota's tough. Sacramento's tough. Um, it, you know, I, I feel optimistic Dallas about won the six Suns. In a row. Dallas has won six in a row, and the Suns get them in the first game after the All-Star break next Thursday. So I feel optimistic about the Suns. Um, but yeah, <laughs> what's around them is just filled with, with minds. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about that. All right, let's get to some baseball. 
pitchers and catchers reported yesterday. Uh, the rest of the team is scheduled to report Monday, but Tori Lovello said yesterday pretty much the entire team is already in town. Um, he was on our show yesterday, and in addition to revealing that he gained 10 pounds from all of the ice cream <laughs> post-World Series, uh, he said everyone is coming into the new year focused and ready to work after losing said World Series. We're very directed. We're, 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 we're you know going to work with a purpose every single day, and that's to go out and be ready on game one as as ready as we'll be on game two and just keep pushing through it. We want we feel like we have a very incomplete grade after last season. It was successful, but we didn't get to the top of the mountain and that's where we want to be. When you think back to all of the D-backs seasons that you two have been around for, is this the most excited you have been heading into a Diamondback season? No, I, 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 oh, t- after 01, when they had won a World Series, I, I think people had really thought, okay, this team's got a chance to string these things together. Um, so I, I think that 02 would certainly be there. Um, this would be a close second, I think. And I will say that I felt the same exact way. That was going to be my answer as well. The Diamondbacks handled their business in 02. They came back and defended their World Series. In fact, I, you know, I think that was the year they won the second the, the second most games they won in, in franchise mm-hmm. history. Mm-hmm. They were just felled by injuries or yep. really bad times. Yep. Uh, but that was that Gonzo was the answer. got hurt right before the end of the season, and it was yeah, yeah. they had no shot in the yeah. playoffs. Yep. Well, well the D backs won 98 games that year. Yeah. yeah. In defense of a World Series Damn. title. Yeah. Um, Actually, is that is that the most games they've ever won in a season? I think it is. No, 99, they won more. I think they won 100 games in 99. Uh, anyway, my point is, this is this is high up on the list, second yeah. on the list. They broke 199. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Huh, good memory. And it's uh, such a welcome change to how we normally feel. It's like, oh, gosh. baseball season is here. Isn't that great? Man, I hope they're okay. Right. Well, it's we just like spring training's here. Yay. We just oh, got out of an NFL season that used to be like the Diamondback season where you went into the season knowing we got no shot. Yeah. Uh, by the way, we're talking with Merrill Kelly at 815 Woo! this morning. More D-backs talk here on Bickley and Marauder Mornings. So make sure you are around for that. Love it. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. All rebooted. Rush Hour Reboot every morning Bye. at 730. Coming Bye-bye. up next. According to the reports that are out there, LeBron James had an opportunity to maybe jump to a better situation at the deadline and said no. We'll get into it next. It's Bickley Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Come on. I'm burning. Come on. Come on. Arizona Sports. Floor burns with Bickley and Murata. Yeah, trade deadline uh, came and went last week in the NBA. Suns got active. Some teams around the league got active. Some chose not to do anything at all. couple teams in the West that people are still, I don't know, maybe pining for their mm-hmm. inclusion in the they-can-win-a-title discussion, the Los Angeles Lakers and Golden State Warriors, apparently did do, do some talking before the deadline. This was reported yesterday by Adrian Wojnarowski and uh, Ramona Shelburne. Uh, and the piece that was written on ESPN.com begins over a clandestine 24-hour window prior to the trade deadline Thursday that included owner-to-owner conversations. The Golden State Warriors made an unsuccessful bid to convince the Los Angeles Lakers and LeBron James to consider a trade to pair him with longtime rival Stephen Curry, sources told ESPN. The way the story unfolds is that Joe Lacob got involved with Jeannie Buss. 
Uh, Jeannie Buss then referred Joe Lacob and the Warriors and said, you got to talk to Rich Paul and uh, LeBron's representation. And apparently LeBron had no interest. Rich Paul had no interest. And mm-hmm. th- nothing happened on that front. And nothing really happened for either team at mm-hmm. the trade deadline, which right. was interesting. Okay, so the fact that they went owner to owner, Joe Lacob, owner of the Warriors, Jeannie Buss, owner of the Lakers, that they actually were on the phone discussing this is very interesting. And, and for LeBron to, and LeBron's camp and by way of association, LeBron to be presented with this and to say no, uh, it's also very, very interesting to me. Some people have uh, suggested that this must mean LeBron has got a firm plan in mind in terms of what he's going to do next year uh-huh. and who he's going to be with next year. Uh, but it would be it would have been really kind of cheese ball for LeBron to join that team. Would it have been? Don't you think? Well, yeah. Absolutely. You, you teased this segment by saying he turned down an opportunity for a better situation. Why is Golden State a better situation? The Lakers are better this year than the Warriors. That I, is true. I don't think that'll be the case when it's all said and done. And maybe projection in my part. Uh, in, in yeah. teasing what that was. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with Jared on that one, believe it or not. I, I do think the Lakers are a better situation, especially with, I think Spencer Dinwiddie's a good addition for them. They've got size. They've got Anthony Davis. If they're healthy, they're better than the Warriors. Now, do you guys think the Lakers were all for this? I, no. No. No, this, no you, you don't. Because there, there is the question that's been brought up about them is like, what do they do well, with an it, aging it's, LeBron? It's, a, it's an interesting question because Bill Plaschke wrote a column about three weeks ago basically saying this guy, as great as he is, he's an albatross on the franchise and, and the future. The fa- This thought crossed my mind because why would Jeannie Buss be so concerned about the well-being of a player that she wanted to say, hey, do you want to do this? Do you really want to leave? Yeah, why would it even get to the point where they're asking LeBron and That's Rich Paul about right. it? Right now, the, the 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 reaction has been, well, Jeannie just wants everyone to love their time in L.A. Is that really it? But you you, you said a phrase that I think is interesting. He's an albatross on the franchise. You know who else was an aging albatross on the Los Angeles Lakers franchise? Kobe. Kobe Bryant stunted their growth mm-hmm. for a long time. Yep. And they kept him, and they kept paying him well past his prime. Might sound unpopular for me to say that now. It's a fact. But Jeannie Buss and the Los Angeles Lakers can make determinations yeah. like that, and they can they can gladly well, pay the, the player option $51.4 million on LeBron's contract next year, knowing full well that when LeBron James is out of the league, they're going to attract star talent to L.A. That's exactly why they had that yeah. stance with Kobe. They knew it wasn't going to be a death sentence for a long time. The difference is, is you can't say a bad word about Kobe in L.A. to Lakers fans. It's very much like you can't say a bad thing about Devin Booker in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. You can say a bad thing about LeBron James in Los Angeles. Uh, Most Los- Lakers fans will agree with yeah. you. <laughs> well, well, again, Lakers Lakers fans reject the idea that, that LeBron is a, a worthy successor to Kobe. And LeBron wants to believe he is. That, that he is everything to L.A. that Kobe was, and he'll never be. Never. You know who was at the heart of all of these discussions trying to get this thing going? Draymond Green. He was the guy from the Golden State side that was orchestrating it. He's the guy that reached out to the common agent that he and LeBron have mm-hmm. trying to get this started. Well, he's the guy, Draymond Green is the guy that famously called Kevin Durant in his car. Mm-hmm. So what was this trade going to consist of, though? Like, the Warriors have to give up high-priced players to have gotten LeBron. And if Draymond Green's not involved in it, and obviously Steph Curry's not involved with it, would they have traded Klay Thompson? Chris Paul? 
than Chris Paul? Probably. Wow. But then, but then, wouldn't that have been irresponsible to your current Laker team, which is as of now in the play-in, in the playoffs? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this would have been cheese ball for anybody involved to say yes. Yes, for LeBron to say, "I want to go there." Yeah, for that, the Warriors mm-hmm. with all of their pride to say, "Amen you know, to what, that." And what did I say yesterday? The Golden State Warriors are having a very hard time as an organization dealing with the with fact that they're not as relevant as they once and were. I, and I think anybody, any team would, especially a team that was just. Because you remember how beloved they were at one point in time. Yeah. That when, when that when the Splash Brothers when they first popped, I remember going to the Bay Area for a Cardinal Forty Nine er game, and I remember talking to people and watching how that market fell for the Warriors at the very beginning. The television ratings that team drummed up in the Bay Area at the beginning it was insane. Yeah. It was like sixty eight percent of the audience. So yeah, I I get that they're having a hard time letting it go. Last night was a classic example. Draymond's losing his mind. He's they're they're trying they're trying hard to get something done against the Clippers. You see what the Clippers did to him in the fourth quarter? Yeah, forty four points without Kawhi. By the way, without Kawhi, forty four points and Paul George in foul trouble. Speaking of Draymond, yeah, he was losing his mind last night. <laughs> The irony is so rich with Draymond Green. Jared mm-hmm. pointed it out. I was thinking about it all day. Draymond Green calling out Kevin Durant. You've got my phone number if you got an issue with me or you're worried about my well-being while he's saying it on a podcast. I could not get that out of my mind. Yeah, it's true. I also, when I saw the footage of Draymond Green getting drilled in the face during a play and laying on the court for two whole possessions uh, as they he wouldn't get around up. Him, he would wouldn't get not up. not get up. I know. And it was a flop. I know. Oh, yeah. In yeah. the first degree. I couldn't believe he would not get off the floor. This was the guy who just this week said this about Yusuf Nurkic. Get up off the floor, bro. Dude laid out like he was dead. Oh, wow. It doesn't apply to me again, Draymond. Uh-huh. He that's, is. That's Draymond's deal, he man. He is something else. <laughs> And to see his reaction, I don't know what the gesture he was making. He looked like he was about to kill somebody on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. When the cameras caught uh-huh. him looking at uh-huh. somebody on the uh-huh. other team or an official. Uh-huh. Guy is absolutely unhinged. It will be proven that Yusuf Nurkic was right. Mark, All right, we'll mark your words mark on my that. Words. We'll mark up, your words on that. Coming up next, mark my words on this, too. You're going to have your face melted off by the Bickley Blast. Fire. Next, it's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.